Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Would you pray with me? And Lord, now, as we turn to your word in the presence of your Holy Spirit, we look to Jesus. Jesus, you said that if you would be lifted up, you would draw all people unto yourself. And so now we pray that you would be lifted up in our midst through your word. Continue to draw us unto yourself, to transform us through and through, and to make us more like you. We ask these things humbly, surrendering yet again to your lordship, and asking you to have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, God is bigger than we think He is, and He is constantly working in the background of our lives. Now, I realize that I say that a lot, but at least in my life, it bears repeating, so I thought maybe it might bear repeating in your life too. God is bigger than we think He is, and He is constantly doing things in the background of our lives, of which we are, frankly, most often unaware. So think about your physical body, for example. I mean, most of you, unless you've recently had heart trouble, are not thinking at all about the literal millions of biochemical reactions that are going on inside your body right now, causing your heart to beat, to, to contract and to expand, and thereby to pump your blood through your body to take what you need all the way down to your pinky toe and everywhere in between. We don't think about it, but, but God is intimately aware of those heartbeats. We don't often think about the fact that our lungs are doing amazing things right now, that down in the the alveoli, the small little air sacs that are within our lungs, there's exchanges of gases going on so that we can take in oxygen and use it and expel carbon dioxide and put it out into the world so that the plants can use it. We don't think about that unless, of course, we got a cold and we're having trouble breathing or or some other issue has arisen, but but that's going on right now, and God is intimately aware that that is happening within us. We don't think about our hair follicles doing the work of causing our hair to grow until they stop working, Uh, and sometimes we wonder about that. We don't think about the fact that our optic nerves are currently taking images that are before us and transferring them into electrical signals that go into our brains, and our brains are actively decoding that so that we can see, or that signals are are being sent in through our senses that allow us to perceive what's going on. We don't often think about our nervous system that is transporting signals from our brain down to our skeletal muscles and causing us to shift in our seat right now. I mean, have you ever thought about everything that has to happen for you to do this? There are so many muscles involved, and so many nerves involved, and so many neurons involved, and so many synapses involved, and so many neurotransmitters involved in just this right here, and yet it seems so simple that we do it mindlessly, and yet God is intimately aware of all the things that have to happen for that to happen. Well, the same is true in our lives. How many of you could look back over the the landscape of your life and see that God has put things together in your life that have been absolutely critical within the course of your life, and you had no idea that He was putting those things together at that time? I mean, it could be happening right now. God could very actively be working in your heart and actively working in someone else's heart, and you don't even know each other, and yet you are going to become vitally important parts of one another's lives. 
You've seen that happen. How many of you, you met your best friend by accident? But it wasn't by accident, was it? Not from God's perspective. Some of you are are wondering about your career path, and you don't even know that God is working in the heart and mind of an employer right now to put together a list of qualifications and even non-negotiables that they have to have in the candidate for this position that they are going to employ. And then one day you're just going to be flipping through LinkedIn or Indeed or those things called classified ads in the newspaper, those ancient things that sometimes we still look at. And your interest is going to be drawn to this one job, and yet God is bringing all of it together, and you're going to have a career there. Some of you are wondering, Lord, when am I going to get married? And you don't know that God is actively working in your heart and that, that future husband or wife's heart, and, and you don't even know each other yet. My wife and I went to preschool together over at Kitty Corner. Y'all ever heard of Kitty Corner? It's not in business anymore, but Addie Carlson, who's a member of this church, ran it and ran it well. I thought it was called Kitty Corner, though, because when you got in trouble, they made you go stand in the corner, and I thought that's where they derived the name. But that was not the case. I never had to stand in the corner, by the way, but I bet my wife did. Uh, We'll talk about that later. But we did not realize that we had gone to Kitty Corner together until we were getting ready for our wedding And we were going through pictures because they were going to show a slideshow at the rehearsal dinner. And all of a sudden, here's a picture of a kitty corner graduation at my wife's house. And I said, why in the world is that there? Well, because I went to kitty corner. You don't mean it. You mean we were in the theater at Duck at the same time with parents taking pictures on these ancient things called cameras that had film in them. And you had to take it and get it developed and you hope it worked out. And they didn't have four million pictures of each moment. They just had a couple because they only had 36 exposures. And they bought the extra big roll that time. But that... Isn't it interesting how God causes all these things to come together in our lives? And so he's actively working in each of our lives right now. If you're in Christ, he is working things together for good to you. That's not something I made up. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 28. God works all things together for good to those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. That doesn't mean everything we go through is good. And it certainly doesn't mean that everything we go through feels good. But it means that our God is actively working in what we perceive to be the background of our lives, but in his perspective is very much the landscape of our lives to work things together for good to us. We've seen that throughout Acts as we've continued in this series called Decided, where we look into the lives of people who decided to follow Jesus and their lives were transformed. And we're gonna see it again today. We're gonna see it in the life of a woman named Lydia who became profoundly influential in the church at at Philippi. And we're gonna see how God was working in Lydia and God was working in Paul and Silas and Timothy. And in some ways, God was working by saying no. Have you ever had God work in your life by saying no? Did you not like it when it happened? I sure didn't. I don't like it when God tells me no. I don't like it when God closes a door. And yet God was providentially closing doors and opening others for Paul and Silas and Timothy so that they might meet a woman named Lydia and work of eternal consequence might happen. Work that is so profoundly influential that it happened on the other side of the globe and we're talking about it 2,000 years later today. 
So I want to invite you to open your Bible with me to Acts chapter 16. If you're in the room, the Red Pew Bible in front of you, that is page 925. Page 925. We're going to look at Acts chapter 16. Really, we're going to focus on verses 13 through 15, but I'm going to give you some background leading up to that. But I want us to see today this theme. Lydia decided to follow Jesus, and her life was transformed. Lydia decided to follow Jesus, and her life was transformed. So we're going to focus on verses 13 through 15, but go back up with me to verse 6. That's where we're going to start reading. If you come to Vespers this afternoon at 4, we'll cover verses 6 through uh, 10 in more detail. But when we left Acts last week, we had seen Timothy called by Paul and taken by Paul to go and be a part of the second missionary journey, to go into churches, to encourage them. And what happened? The churches were encouraged. People came to Christ. The kingdom of Christ expanded, and it grew. Well, then they're going to leave where they've been and seek to go to a different place. Watch what happens. Acts chapter 16, beginning with verse 6, Luke the physician writes these things as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, saying this, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go in Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. Now stop there and let me give you a little bit of context that's coming together here. First of all, as they leave where they're coming from, they want to go into Asia. They want to go into Bithynia. While in Asia and in Bithynia, their plan is to proclaim Jesus. Is that a bad thing to want to do? Not at all. We're all, as Christians, called to proclaim Jesus everywhere we go. And they felt like their next step was their next step. And yet twice it tells us in this passage that God said no. And now we don't have intimate details of their prayer life with God in this moment, but I can only imagine that if this were me and my way were being prevented from going into Asia or Bithynia, my conversation with God would be, Lord, why, why is the door not opening? Why does it continue to slam shut? Why can I not go and do what you've called me to do and compelled me to do by your Holy Spirit? Why can I not go and do this in these places? There's nothing sinful about wanting to proclaim Jesus in Asia and in Bithynia. Nothing at all. So it's not like they're doing something wrong or desiring to do something wrong, and yet God keeps saying no. Now this is free tonight, or this morning. God may be telling you no, not because what you're asking Him for is something that is sinful, but it's simply contrary to His will for your life and what He is working together for your good. He may be telling you no in a way that one day in glory you will thank Him for, even if you're frustrated right now. 
Now, maybe you're more spiritual than me. I get frustrated when God tells me no. I get frustrated when things don't work out the way that I want them to work out. And yet, what do we do? Well, we come back to this continual reminder that if we trust God, then we should trust God. And God will get us to where we need to be because He's working in the background of our lives, which is very much the landscape of our lives from His perspective, to take us where He wants us to be. What is God going to do? He's going to send a vision, a man from Macedonia, to give a vision to Paul, come help us. And do you know what God is doing through that vision? God is taking the gospel from Asia into Europe. That's what's fixing to happen. When they go to Troas and they set sail and they come across to Macedonia, they're now in southern Europe. And the gospel is spreading to a new part of the world. How many of you are thankful the gospel made it to Europe? How many of you are thankful that the gospel went from Europe into all sorts of different places, including North America? See, God was doing something. So it wasn't that it was wrong for them to want to go to Asia and Bithynia. It was just that God had a purpose for something different. And so he told them no. He prevented them from doing what they thought they wanted to do because what they ultimately wanted to do was to follow God's will and plan for their lives. And so sometimes in order to do that, God has to redirect us. So if God is redirecting you right now, be encouraged. It may be that what you're asking for is absolutely not sinful in any regard. But God is redirecting you because he has different plans for your life, and those plans fit into his plans for his kingdom. That's what's happening in what we're reading. So they come into Philippi, which is known as Little Rome. Philippi was an important city in Rome. It was a Roman colony. Uh, Philip of Macedon, who was the father of Alexander the Great, had captured the city in the 4th century B.C., and he named it after himself. That's why it's called Philippi. Well, the Romans came in control of Philippi in 168 B.C., and it was enlarged in 42 B.C. with some characters that you might have heard of when Antony and Octavian defeated Brutus and Cassius. And in 31 B.C., Octavian granted the city the status of a colony, and a number of Roman military veterans began to settle there. So, it was known as Little Rome. Here in just a few weeks, Lord willing, some of us are going to Little Rome. We're going to see it. We're going to see the ruins of Little Rome, and we're going to go to the places where they think the next events happened. These are real places. You can still go. A few of us are going here just in several weeks. So these are real people in real places in real life with a real God speaking into their real lives, taking the gospel where Jesus had not yet before been named. Well, they're going to meet a woman. So look with me at verses 13 and 14. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed that there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Our first point today is this. Lydia followed Jesus to a new revelation. Lydia followed Jesus to a new revelation. Paul's typical practice was when he came into a city, he went to the synagogue. Well, apparently there was not a synagogue in Philippi. 
And so he went down with his companions to the riverside. They went down to the river to pray. I wish I could sing. I'd sing the song for you right now. They went down to the river to pray, and there was a woman gathered with other women named Lydia. Lydia was not a native of Philippi. She was from Thyatira, and she sold purple. Did you know that Thyatira was a center of the sale of purple dye? And purple dye, some of y'all are, you can see your chest poking out right now. Yeah, tell us how great purple is. If you're watching regionally, that's a local thing. Um, but Thyatira was a center of the sale of purple dye, and purple was expensive, and it was reserved often for royalty. And so she probably had made a dollar or two, and she had expanded her business from Thyatira all the way over into Europe. But we also know about Lydia that she was apparently what is called a God-fearer. What is a God-fearer? A God-fearer is a Gentile who desires to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so that's what she's doing. And so even as she's in Philippi, she is seeking to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there's not a synagogue there, so she can't go to the synagogue. So what does she do? She goes down to the river to pray. Honestly, what Lydia is just doing is, is she's simply obeying the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in seeking to worship him where she is, when she is. And when we simply obey Almighty God, and just do the things that we know He wants us to do no matter where we are, that opens the door for amazing experiences to happen in our lives. She's just, she just following God in the best way she knows how, and she's getting ready to receive a new revelation about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that He is also the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason that she is poised to receive that revelation is because she's doing the right things now. Is that the story of your life? As you wait for your next step from God, are you doing the things you know God wants you to do now, where you are and when you are? So many times we miss today because we're looking forward to tomorrow. In my life, sometimes I can miss today because I'm looking into the next decade. And yet God has given me the gift of today, and I can't miss today. And so what do I have to do? I have to be faithful with today, and God will take care of the next decade. I'm faithful with today. And so it's a constant reminder that as, as God is moving us forward, He brought us to this moment. So we trust and follow Jesus in this moment. And that opens the door for God to move us to the next moment. That's what Lydia is doing. She's just, she just following God, going down to pray. And then these three guys show up, Paul and Silas and Timothy. And they begin telling her the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, they did not know they would meet a woman named Lydia down by the riverside in Philippi. And Lydia didn't know that she would have these guys who've been sent from a faraway place come talk to her that day. But because both of them, the group of missionaries and Lydia and her companions, were just doing what they knew to do, that opened the door for them to have a profound revelation of the working of Almighty God in one another's lives. It's powerful. And so what do they do? Well, they speak 
They open their mouths and they share the gospel. And the Lord, it says, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Don't miss that miracle. You remember when the Lord opened your heart to pay attention to what God was saying? That's miraculous, isn't it? Because some of you were like me. Your heart had become hardened. Your heart had become hardened, and you weren't paying attention to what God said. And yet he got a hold of you. And maybe it was through some preacher or through some Sunday school teacher or through some teacher in the public school or through some coach on an athletic field or a court. But God opened your heart to hear what they were saying. And maybe they'd said it a thousand times before and you were, you were unable to hear it, unable to take it in. But this time it clicked. Well, that's what's happening here with Lydia. The Lord opened her heart to receive the message of the gospel. And so she did. You say, well, is that important? That's very important because Lydia's in heaven today and not in hell. It's very important. It was very important when the Lord opened your heart. It may be that the Lord is opening your heart in this moment right now. And it's not because the preacher's real good at talking, but it's the work of Almighty God within you. God opened Lydia's heart. She was in the right place just doing what she knew to do. And God opened the door for something miraculous to happen. And she received this new revelation. So now, the rest of the sermon, three points, comes from verse 15. We're going to break these down slowly. Acts chapter 16, verse 15, we'll call it 15a. And after she was baptized, your second point, Lydia followed Jesus to a new obedience. Lydia followed Jesus to a new obedience. Again, as we read through this historical account, we can be tempted to read through it really quickly and say, well, after she was baptized, then she did this and this and this. But don't miss the profound nature of that little phrase, and after she was baptized. Because what Luke is doing here as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit is he is assuming that we understand that once you give your life to Jesus, the next step, the first step of obedience in following Jesus is to get into the waters of baptism and to profess your faith in Jesus Christ by way of biblical baptism just the way that, that he said. Jesus had said at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, he had told his disciples, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And then he gave them this promise, surely I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. God is leading Lydia to a new obedience. If I didn't give it to you, that's the second point. Lydia followed Jesus to a new obedience. She's simply doing what God wanted her to do. When Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost and, and they were cut to the heart from his words of his message, they said, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so on that day, the day of Pentecost, the Bible says in chapter 2, verse 41 of Acts, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. 
And some of you have been to the southern steps of the Temple Mount, and you've seen all the mikvahs, all these, all these baths that are there for ritual purification. And you say, how do you baptize 3,000 people in Jerusalem? Well, it's pretty simple. There's a bunch of mikvahs in the southern steps. They were used for ritual cleansing coming up to the temple, but what God had purposed them for was the baptism of new believers in Jesus Christ who would proclaim Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior in the way that he had told them to do that. And in Acts chapter 8, when Philip went to Samaria and he proclaimed the gospel, what happened? Well, the Bible says, when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So that's just the functional first step of obedience in following Jesus. When Philip proclaimed the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch, they were in the wilderness, in the desert, and yet they came upon water, and the Ethiopian eunuch said, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? Philip said, nothing. So the Ethiopian eunuch got baptized there. When Saul was at Damascus after he had been blinded and after Ananias had been sent to him to pray over him and the scales that had blinded him fell from his eyes, he got up as a new believer in Jesus and what did he do? He got baptized. Or Cornelius in his household when Peter proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ and they were saved, what did they do? They got baptized. So when Lydia came to know Christ, what did she do? She got baptized. It's the first step of obedience in following Jesus as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are obeying Him, doing what He told us to do. And if I can't take the first step of obedience in following Jesus, then what does that say about the subsequent steps of obedience in following Jesus? Because that's what the Christian life is about, trusting and following Jesus. And so we're so thankful every time we we get to celebrate with somebody that beautiful moment of baptism when they profess of their own accord, of their own volition, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior, and I'm not ashamed of Him. And maybe God's calling you to make that profession as well. We can help you with that. But I'm going to tell you, you take that simple step of obedience. God's blessing accompanies that because God blesses obedience. And I've never had anybody in two decades of ministry come out of the waters of baptism and say, man, I wish I hadn't done that. Even people who were deathly afraid of water came out and were like, wow, that was great. I'm glad. I'm glad that I obeyed the Lord. Lydia was baptized. The second part of verse 15, and her household as well. Our third point, Lydia followed Jesus to a new mission. You know what happened? Now, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I can promise you this is what happened after Lydia received Christ and was baptized. Paul and Silas and Timothy had a new companion in proclaiming the gospel to Lydia's household, and it was Lydia. And I promise you, she shared with the servants in her household and perhaps family members that this is what Jesus is doing in my life. She had a new mission. The Lord led her to, do, to this new mission. And guess what happened to her household? They were saved. You say, again, that seems incidental to the story, but when I look at the pictures of my children's baptisms in there, it is absolutely not incidental to the story. It's vital to the story. So Lydia joined the missionaries because every Christian is called to share this message. And she saw her entire household baptized. And then, 
verse 15c. She urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Our fourth point, Lydia followed Jesus to a new stewardship. Lydia followed Jesus to a new stewardship. So she followed Jesus to a new revelation, that's the first point, a new obedience, that's the second point, a new mission, that's the third point, and a new stewardship, that's the fourth and final point. You say, what is the stewardship? Lydia was a dealer in purple. She had enough money to travel with her business. She apparently had a home here in Philippi. She probably had servants within her home. The Lord had entrusted a whole lot to her care. And what we're going to learn in Acts chapter 16 around verse 40 is that after Paul and Silas get out of prison, this is what they do. They visited Lydia. And what did they do at Lydia's place? And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. So guess what Lydia did with everything the Lord had given her? She realized that the Lord had entrusted that to her stewardship for a purpose, and she opened it to be a blessing to the church. What do we do with what the Lord has entrusted to our care? Do we use it to bless the community of Christ? Do we use it to magnify the name of Jesus? Because that's why He gave it to us. It's not ours, it's His. But he entrusted it to our care as a stewardship. Lydia was the kind of person who was doing her best to trust and follow Almighty God wherever she was, whenever she was. She did the simple things that made sense in the moment because God had called her to those moments. While she waited on whatever was next because God knew and she didn't, she was just doing what she was supposed to do. But then God showed up in new and exciting ways and changed not only Lydia's life, but her household and that community through what He did in Lydia's life. What about you? What about me? Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.